Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, your show where we try to help the IT professional, the managed service provider, the computer repair shop, anyone in IT. We help you learn to run and grow your business better, smarter, and faster. This is the weekly live show where we kind of hang out here on Wednesdays. Usually I am interviewing a guest, whether it's a fellow MSP or business owner or vendor in the channel. Tonight, none of that. It is just going to be me, unscripted, which some of you, for some reason, seem to like. And I'm doing that for several reasons. One, I originally thought that I was going to be taking a break because I have been releasing a ton of videos. You've even told me so because some of you are behind. And that is because we have been in the midst of doing 26 videos for the ConnectWise Pitch It program, something that I worked out with Sean Lardo with ConnectWise to do an interview, emerging vendors in the channel, a lot of whom we have not heard from before, and they are gaining traction. And this is a process where ConnectWise is trying to help them get their act together, uh, learn how to pitch MSPs in the channel, learn how to take their product to market. And of course, it is a competition, so that's why a lot of them are doing it, hoping to be the winner at the end and get $70,000. That will take place at IT Nation later this year, which is happening in Orlando, Florida. And the plan is for me to be there. It just has not all been worked out yet and confirmed. There's some logistics and travel because it is Orlando. That's about three hours from here. It's in the middle of the week, like every other conference, so I've got to make sure I have coverage and all of that. So that is one of the reasons that it's been busy. Also, if you've been paying attention to my social media, I was at the PAX 8 Beyond conference in Denver. I was at ASCII Edge in Tampa, which I did on-site interviews there, so I've been posting those. So yes, a lot of content coming out. As soon as all of that's done, as soon as I get through July, it will be back to regular programming. We'll be having a lot more techs and MSPs and business owners on the show. Right now, we're in this flux of vendors. So speaking of, I should say thank you to Eric Anthony, who was on with me last week. If you missed it, you missed it. The very first that I know of, and I'm going to claim to be the first because I've never seen anybody do it. Uh, Eric and I did a crossover podcast where we did a single live stream starting with his show on all things MSP and then switching over to the IT business po uh, podcast. And it was all seamless. I think it went pretty good. And uh, the only thing we're probably going to do next time is shorten each of our shows instead of doing the full hour for each. It's a long time uh, if you want to sit and watch the whole thing, but the videos are still up and we each released a podcast version of it for our respective shows. So thank you to Eric for uh, doing that. Something that uh, both he and I have wanted to do for quite some time. Uh, as uh, let's see what else is coming up. So tomorrow, uh, if you guys are watching and or listening to this in real time, this is being recorded on July 5th, Wednesday evening. So if you're watching now, 
or if you're listening either Wednesday night or Thursday morning, there will be another live stream happening Thursday at 1 p.m., and this is a very special live stream. I didn't really have a great name for it. It originally was going to be your Christmas in July, uh, but we're kind of tying this into like a summer theme where we're going to do gadgets that you can use for summertime. And this is basically a personal gadget thing. This is not necessarily a tech gadget thing, although we will talk about some tech stuff. I want to thank some people that have been purchasing things on Amazon. So I want to uh, give a little bit of respect to those. But I am going to have with me Erin Lawrence. And if you do not know that name, she was a guest this past Thanksgiving on my Black Friday preview. She is with Tech Gadgets Canada. She is, in my mind, a YouTube celebrity. She does a lot of product reviews, and they're usually reviews all about tech, all about the home. So she does everything from TVs to earbuds to coffee makers, vacuums, robotic vacuums, uh, all the tech that you would use in your home. So she has agreed to come on the show once again, and she will be joining me again. That is going to be a live stream Thursday at uh, 1 p.m., and uh, you are all invited to attend there. We will be streaming on all the usual channels, the YouTube, LinkedIn, and the Facebook. And uh, <laughs> Chris, we live in the South Marv. Our gadget is a portable air conditioner. Yeah, that would be a, a qualifying gadget. Now, she's also uh, reviewed some fans, some of those, uh, not necessarily the Dyson blade fan, but you know, some of the tall expensive fans, not the, you know, $10 box fan or stuff like that. And I actually purchased one on her recommendation. It's, it's on the other side of the office in my room. So I can't point to it and tell you what it is, but it wasn't the exact model that she reviewed, but it was coincidental. In fact, I bought it when I met her, I saw that she was reviewing fans and that model brand was one that she had reviewed on there. So we we did talk about that. Uh, so Aaron Lawrence will be coming up tomorrow. Next week, I think you guys are all going to be in for a treat as well as we're going to have our very own 365 guru, Diana Giles from Skyline IT Management, will be here live on the show next week. Before that, though, we will be releasing a series of videos that uh, Giles and I did I don't know, a couple of weeks ago where we did a three-part series on all the things that you need to know about 365, being uh, managing tenants in there, uh, moving clients to the cloud, all of that stuff. And the next week will be, uh, for the most part, a Ask Me Anything uh, after seeing those three videos. So those three videos will be released next week. Yes, more content. And then Giles will be joining me next Wednesday evening for the live show. All right. So let me go ahead and uh, at least acknowledge sponsors. We won't be doing a full show today, but I do want to at least say thank you to the, the folks that make this all possible. Of course, NetAlly is our presenting sponsor. They provide the best handheld and portable network testing tools designed to help you, you know, basically troubleshoot network issues faster and smarter. 
So netally.com is that, uh, the person that helps us put on the live show, Computers Done Right, our good friend John over there. Thank you very much for that. A managed service provider in Venice, Florida. And uh, interesting, over near our good friend John Dubisky, who is joining us from the chat there. Hello, Doobie. Thank you for joining us. And our newest vendor, Instant our newest vendor, I said, sponsor, Instant House Call. So if you are looking for a remote support that is not one of the big boys, you need a one-off solution, but you want all of the same settings and features of the big boys, multi-monitor support, file transfer, under-tenant access, uh, custom branding, and more, head over to instanthousecall.com, and you can try them for 15 days free without putting in a credit card information. And then, of course, I do want to thank the patrons that I have sponsoring. Some of them have done a great, fantastic job that I want to thank uh, over the last, I think it's a year and a half now. Uh, so if you're a patron, thank you very much for that. That off the screen. All right. So this is an unscripted show, which means that if you have uh, questions or comments that you'd like to ask, this will be a great time to do it. I don't have a script in front of me. I don't have a guest that I'm trying to keep on track. I do have a couple of topics that I would like to bring up in case nobody asks questions, but this will be the time if you have questions about any of the past shows. Uh, you can ask me anything about the business. You can ask me things about Florida Man. Uh, I will be watching the chat there, and I will answer almost any question you throw at me. So this is a combination, ask me anything. Uh, could be a tech diary show if I start to tell you what's happening with my clients. The topic that I wanted to bring up and this is something for the last, I'm, I'm going to say month, the last month straight, whether it is at a conference or monitoring the social medias, it seems that there are a lot of questions that get asked that, for all practical purposes, are, are very good questions. They are questions that you and I probably asked at some point in our career, whether it's, you know, hey, can you tell me how to handle this situation with a client or I'm trying to find these particular parts? I want to use, you know, some refurbished equipment. I, you know, I'm having trouble with this client, not paying on time. I'm having this issue. And one of the things that I have noticed in the last month, and it is getting more and more prevalent, is that the answer seems to be, oh, time to get a new client. And it's funny because I know that I've given that answer in the past, and I know that a lot of the stuff that we've done sometimes does warrant, you know, considering, you know, firing that client and getting a new one. But I always wonder sometimes, and it was very, very prevalent to me in the last month, there were some questions asked that I thought did not deserve the answer that came from particular people when Literally, they just said, you know, fire the client. And I thought, okay, that technically wasn't an answer that they needed to hear right now. Because if a customer is in a situation where they cannot do the things that you recommend, or 
you're looking to do a situation where you're trying to do something non-standard in your scope of work, then it's not a situation where asking a question denotes a response from somebody where they said, fire the client. Because either they haven't listened to the question, they haven't read the question, which is a lot of times what happens on social media where the question gets asked and, you know, 10, 15, 20 posts down, the responses all of a sudden have nothing to do with the question that was asked. So I needed to check myself on on a situation where I did bring it up and it was a consideration, but the consideration from my perspective was, what does your gut say? What do you think is a good response to the situation? I don't want to talk about that situation in particular or some of the other questions that came up. If you're you know, on social media or if you were at the conferences with me, you will know what those situations were. So I kind of wanted to put together a list of when is a good time to fire a client. And I should probably put in caveats ahead of that is many of you know my story that in 2017, right at the end of 2017, I did fire a client and that is exactly the phrase I would use. It's not a client that I kind of ignored until they went away or, you know, not quiet quitting a client, but it was literally, I just said, we're done. And it was a very difficult decision because it was my largest client at the time. And when I say largest client, they were, they were literally about 30% of our income. And it was a, a big ask for the wife to accept that I was going to be firing this client. So obviously we survived. Here we are in 2023 and I have another client that not only has replaced them, but is now exceeded what they were paying monthly. I have other clients that are approaching that. Now, none of them are at that 30% level anymore. Now there's one that's probably getting close, but I just needed to, you know, let everybody know that, yeah, that did happen. I did fire a client. And the reasons that I'm going to go over, this client basically, in my mind, fit three of the reasons. And any one of these could be a reason that you can look at, you know, getting rid of a client. So you're going to ask Marvin, how did you come up with this list? Well, Part of the list was me just kind of taking notes myself and thinking about what would the, what would be the reasons that I would fire a client. And then, of course, I went out to the to the Google and just put in the question, when's a good time to to fire a client? And so I came up with a summary of it looks like two, four, six, eight situations to fire a client. And. Basically, they come out to the client requires more time than they are worth. And that was probably the number one reason. If I had to list the reasons of why I fired my client in 2017, that was actually the top reason because they were, again, 30% of my income, but they were probably closer to 50 to 60% of my time. And it just, it was just driving me nuts. It was making me crazy. Uh, If you think I'm grumpy now, I was really grumpy back then. And that was a big thing. 
they were a client that they knew they were my biggest client and they thought that they could take advantage of that and demand things of me as if I was, you know, going to do it just because I had to. Yes, you're my biggest client. I'll take care of you. I'll do whatever you want. And I, I didn't do it. So I'm not going to say that that's the way it was. I did obviously respond to them when I could. If it was an emergency, I was there. If it was important, I did it. I didn't, you know, basically cower to every demand that they made. But I think that they probably felt that, hey, we're your biggest client. When we call, you come. Bottom line. And I had to say, no, I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. So that was the first thing I came up with. Uh the number two reason, and these really aren't in any particular order. So if you're making a list, don't put these in a list of prior uh, priority in terms of the numbers. But the second reason, the client continuously shoots down your recommendations. And I think that that's one that comes up a lot when I see in the chats or when questions come up about, hey, especially when it comes to cybersecurity, you know, the client doesn't want to listen to me. They're not going to do what we suggest. Well, that might be a time to part ways because the bottom line is I heard it uh, earlier today. I was watching, I don't know if it was a webinar or something. And the way that it was phrased, I love the way that it was phrased. And it was, if the customer is not going to do what you recommend, are you willing to accept the responsibility for the consequences? Now, in most things, if you're talking about you know, hardware, network setup, it probably won't come to that unless you're putting in inferior equipment or, you know, computers or devices or whatever, and a failure is something that you have to take responsibility for. But in this case, it was cybersecurity. And with the way that things were going in the cyber world, especially when it comes to, you know, the HIPAAs, the FINRAs, the CISAs, and all of the things that we have to do now for insurance, it's going to come down to what are you willing to be responsible for? If a client doesn't do MFA and gets breached, whose fault is it really? Is it is it going to be on the clients? Even if you had them sign a declination letter or a waiver saying that, hey, we're not responsible. The problem is, as our friend good, you know, Bradley Gross says, you know, it's always no big deal until it is, or you're always friends until you're not, or you know any variation of that. It's easy to say up front and in the beginning, yeah, we're not going to worry about that. But then when it happens, when somebody's actually got to you know pay the ransom, or data is lost, or something you know worse happens, somebody's going to be held responsible. And there are laws that are coming up in this country that are not leaving it up to the client. They're starting to look as look at us as the IT service provider and say, you know what, you're responsible because you didn't make them do what you knew had to be done. So if a client doesn't listen, they shoot down your recommendations, it may be time to go. Uh, number three, the client is consistently slow to pay or there are constant payment issues, that should be a no-brainer, but I know a lot of times people will give breaks. Uh, number four, the client constantly nitpicks at or disputes your invoices. Now, I put this one as a separate one because of this reason. There are people that are just slow pay, or they intentionally pay you late. 
because they think that we are a secondary vendor. We're not as necessary as their, you know, rent payment or their lease payment or their car payment. And we are last. And there are, there are customers that do that. And you have to decide whether you can live with that or whether you're going to put them on a payment you know, system where they've got to pay for the month prior to the work that they do. You put them under a contract or whatever you do with that. But I, I separated this out because the con- the client that constantly nitpicks or disputes your invoices. Now, I didn't necessarily have a bunch of disputes, but this is the second thing that the client that I fired did where they were nitpicking at my, it wasn't even my invoices, it was my job quotes when it came time for a big network refresh. And in this case, we're talking bid. We're talking six figures, you know, to do server upgrades and network upgrades. And, you know, when you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars and they want to take away, you know, your your profit, that was a problem for me because they came back to me. And the second time that I had this big project with them, they literally came to me and said, Hey, we found somebody that can give us servers at cost. Can you match? And the first time I actually was able to match and still make some money, obviously not as much as I wanted. And I told them that I will do this with the understanding that the next time you don't question me because I've got to make money just like they wanted to make money. And that owner, trust me, made his money. And when he, I mean, a lot of money. So the best way to describe it is if the owners of that company decided to take a 10% reduction in their bonus at the end of the year, that would have paid for the network refresh. That's how much money they took home. So basically I said, look, I got to get paid. I think I came up with the phrase millionaires don't get discounts back then. All right, so that was number four. Number five, the client has unreasonable expectations. Now, that could kind of fall under a lot of different categories, but obviously if they want you know, you to provide support that you can't provide, they want you to be you know, available at a moment's notice, they want an unreasonable SLA, uh, they want stuff to work forever, I mean, that's unreasonable. Uh, the client lacks transparency in communication. That was the third thing that was on the list of why I fired that client. And that was a situation where the owner would tell me one thing. The manager would then try to do something else. And I couldn't trust them anymore. Even though the owner and I had known each other for years, technically we were friends. And we did the little handshake deal. And the owner told me, Marv, as long as I'm here, you're here. But it just felt like the owner maybe maybe said that, but the manager certainly did not act in good faith and was always trying to undermine me and railroad me, all those sorts of things. And this was a customer, too, where there was a third component. It was a co-managed situation. There was a tech on site. And so I went through maybe four techs with them. The third tech was somebody who I think... This is my opinion, not proven, but I think that they were bringing in this third tech as a way to replace me. 
and they brought him in at very high pay rates and said that they got him at a bargain and he was going to be the network administrator. And to be honest, no, that wasn't going to happen. But the bottom line is trying to deal with an owner, a manager, and a tech where there was obviously convoluted communication was a big problem for me. So those were the, that was the third thing that happened. Um, so number seven of why you should fire a client, the client is abusive. And by abusive, I think you guys understand if you are constantly being berated or you and or your staff is being yelled at or being treated in a manner that is not professional, um, don't stand for it. I've only had to deal with that one time. I had a, a partner at a law firm call my office and yelled at Kim for an unreasonable, I don't even remember what it was, but I know that it was something that was just ridiculous. And he called and literally yelled at her and hung up before she could give him an answer or response or whatever. And I remember making that phone call to my contact, who was the office administrator, and then the main partner that I dealt with. And literally I said, if that ever happens again, we're done period. And ever since then, it's funny because uh, Kim was just talking to that person the other day and said, he is so pleasant. I don't even know if he remembers what happened. And I said, maybe not, but I can tell you that I'm glad that at least the warning was given that I, I will not stand for having my people treated that way. I may have let him yell at me because I probably could have responded, but you're definitely not going to yell at my people at any time. Uh, see a response here, John. Only one, only one time, no one yells at my help. Only once, never again. Yep. I mean, basically, that's not even. I mean, I wish that would be a no tolerance situation, but it really isn't. You got to give people at least th that that first warning. I think what happens is a lot of times there are there are just people in life, there are owners in life that. That's just the way they, they live. They just believe in barking out orders and they have staff that will, you know, step to and jump at every little thing and try to appease them. That's just not the world that I live in. I mean, obviously, if there's things that need to be done, if there are emergencies, yeah, you, you've got to get them done. But there is, in my mind, unless, you know, the building's on fire, or unless, you know, I broke their server or their network. I mean, you know, there are obviously times to be yelled at, but if there's no real reason, then not going to happen. Uh, number six or no, number eight. And this, again, this could uh, go back into one of the others, the unreasonable expectations. But I put unreasonable for other things, Um I think I'm, I, I left out, obviously, the last part of that, but I believe it was not just unreasonable unre uh, expectations, but I think it was um, unreasonable knowledge. One of the things that I, I I'm, I'm probably, I, I probably do have a client that I will not renew at the end of this year because they have a tendency to not only shoot down recommendations, and dispute stuff, they, they believe that, you know, 
they have enough technical knowledge to run the network themselves. They just don't have time to do it, which in my mind, if you're not going to do it and you're hiring somebody to do it, who has shown year after year that I, you know, the knowledge is there, the professionalism, this is there, you know, running networks, when you can run networks for large firms, large clients, and you're just a small office, don't question the expertise of somebody that is doing it for somebody that's bigger than you. This client, I mean, it's it's nine workstations and a server. And yes, they need a server, but just for a couple of applications. So we're putting in a Synology NAS, actually, for them. We are going to run a virtual machine for their server, and then the rest is going to be for storage. And this particular client just thinks that, you know, he knows all the tech stuff. And every week it's like, oh, I want to do this. And I don't want to use your stuff. I want to use this stuff because this is better and cheaper and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'll be honest, he's actually come around each and every time. And when I've told him, you know, no, we can't do it this way. And here's why. Okay, great. Blah, blah, blah. But it's just the constant every you know week or two just you know what i don't want to have to always explain all of this stuff and compare and i i think he's talking to other techs and like trying to come back and you know see if they're as good or better than i am and if that's the case then you know then it's just a matter of okay let's put some stuff down on paper what is it you want how much do you want to spend can i do it yes or no okay that's a decision so so if I go back and figure out what number eight was, I'll write that down. But those were your eight things of when should you fire a client? I also should probably have, probably should have started with this. It is important to prioritize your mental, financial, and professional well-being when deciding whether to fire a client. So the reason I wanted to give that caveat in there is because when I decided to fire my client back in 2017, it actually took me a few months to come to that. It wasn't something where I just got to the point where I'm like, okay, we're done. It took a while and I had to figure out whether it was worth it or not. One monetarily, obviously that was a big thing, but the thing that really put me over, it was the mental side of it. And like I said, 30% of the income, but 50 to 60% of the time, I was just being worn out by just one client and I couldn't give my best to my other clients. I couldn't grow my business being a slave to this particular client. I know that that's not the right word, but that's the one I'm using. Uh, So if you're considering firing a client, be sure to, to check and make sure is it you know something that you really need to do? Make sure that you know you have, you know. Well, let's do this. Make sure you check your contract. So if you're in a contract with them, you know, check to see what the parameters are. You know, can you just you know fire them with cause, and can you document that cause in case they come back after you? Again, the same thing that you would have them do if they decided to end the contract. You're gonna be well. Your contract says. Uh, make sure you do the same for them. Uh, the only thing I would say in terms of how to handle it is maintain your integrity 
stay calm, stay rational, and polite. Don't just, you know, don't ghost them and don't treat them like they're a second-class citizen. If there's a situation where you can do it peacefully and hand them off to another provider, do that. Uh, be sure to give them clear reasons when you're breaking that relationship. That's one thing that I have learned that I don't like it when somebody comes to me and they're breaking a relationship with their previous provider and they're not being open and honest with them. And one of the things that I like to do is to make sure that all of that stuff is handled before I come in. So if there's stuff that has to be resolved, I tell my customer, you got to resolve that. I cannot take over this until it is a clean, clean break. So that uh, is something to consider. And so there was something I wrote here, never fire a client when you're angry. That goes back to the client that I fired. If I had fired them the first time I wanted to, it probably would have been about a year and a half before. Uh, there was a situation that happened that really upset me with something the tech and the manager did. And, oh, I was pissed. But I went to the owner at the time, talked to him after I had calmed down. And, yeah, things were good for a year and a half. But it allowed for me to build the grounds for when I truly was at a point where they needed to go. And I could give it to them in a way that said, look, I I worked through all of this for you. I have been professional throughout this entire thing. I have accommodated you. I have saved you money. And I don't feel that that is happening anymore. So it is time for us to go. So, so that is it. That was uh, the big thing on my, on my mind that I just wanted to, I have a lot of these things, by the way, that I make notes on and just keep. And this is, like I said, for about a month, this has been coming up. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to address that today. So that's it. When to fire a client. So let me see if there's anything in the chat, any questions or comments that have come in. Thank you. Uh, for those of you that have been there, John, Chris, John, John and John, let me take a sip here. I do have an email that I want to go back and just refer to. I'm actually not going to read the whole email, but for those of you that are watching the video, I am holding up a piece of paper and I got a very long email on June 9th, which was just after the 500th episode, and I'll say it is from Bob, and Bob congratulated me on the 500th episode and talked about being a friend and an avid listener of the podcast and has uh, witnessed firsthand the growth and success over the years. Uh, from the very first episode that I listened to, it was clear that you had a unique ability to captivate your audience with your knowledge, insights, and engaging conversation with industry experts. Uh, it goes on to say, but let me go down here. Each episode has been a source of inspiration, education, and entertainment for listeners like myself. Your willingness to share your knowledge, offer guidance, and lend a listening ear is truly appreciated. Skipping down to another paragraph, Marvin, you have become a trusted voice and a true influencer in the IT world. Your ability to connect with your audience and deliver information in an engaging manner is truly remarkable. 
As you said, your podcast is a great venue for when people have problems, all they do is ask, and everybody comes running to help. Um, I will be retiring the 30th of June after working on computers, networking, and doing computer security since 1984. So now I will finally have time to listen to your live instead of listening through your recordings. Bobby, if you're listening, thank you uh, very much. If you're watching, give me the holla sign. Um, I'm going to save the rest of that, but I just wanted to say thank you to Bob. And I actually did get other people that had sent messages and, you know, not only giving me congratulations for reaching 500, but for being committed to doing this. I know that there were times that I was at the conferences and have talked to vendors and, you know, the question is, Oh, why are you doing this? And what do you get from it? And, you know, I've always come back with the concept of, you know, this was something that when I found the podcast in 2014 and started finding a community that was willing to talk about the same things that I wanted to talk about, share experiences, answer questions, uh, be a helping hand to each other. It was just something that it, it's hard to explain, but being given the opportunity to take on this podcast and to grow it is something that as much as I would like to look at the possibilities of what it can do for me, it's really still more of being something that is more, what can it do for you, the, the watcher, the listener, the community, there are a lot of people that are doing this, that are doing it for really the right reasons. Now, there are a lot of people doing it for the wrong reasons, whether it's all about the money or all about the ego. Um, I hope that it never gets to that point for me. I mean, yes, I'd like to make enough money to pay the bills. I'd like to make sure that my business doesn't suffer because of the podcast. I don't want my family life to suffer because of the podcast. So there are probably some things that I will ask for support, but for the most part, I think when I decided to rebrand this and to continue doing it, it was basically with the understanding that I'll do it as long as there are people willing to listen and talk and chat and share or until somebody wants to come along and buy it. I don't know. That's just uh lightening the mood there, but, uh, that was it. So I wanted to say thank you to that email, uh, from Bob. And there were a couple of other emails and I see that I spoke way longer than I thought he would. So here's an email that I, so this wasn't an email. This was actually a message that I got earlier today and I have not responded, but I wanted to put this out in case anybody else had an answer uh, I did not formulate an answer yet because I actually have to check a couple of things. Um, hi, Marvin. I hope you had a nice 4th of July. I hear in your podcast you work with law offices. I have a question regarding copiers. As we know, lawyers work a lot with legal-sized documents. I have a law office client asking if there is a small office copier that has a feature to copy from legal to letter size basically copier that has auto resize feature to reduce the size of copy from legal to letter. I know this is a feature in enterprise, enterprise grade machines, but I'm wondering if you know any smaller office machines that have this feature. And 
I have not responded because I did not get a chance to specifically go and look because I got this. I mean, I got the message probably about an hour before the show. And I think that I have a machine that does that, but I haven't gone through all the features yet. We actually have, um, what is it? A Konica? See, I'll have to go back and see. Cause I have my own printer in my office, but we do have a, a printer that sits out front that I just, no, it's a Xerox. That's what it is. Um, and I know that you can change the printing to go from legal to letter, but I did not go through the control pad to see if you could do it from the copier section. But it is a Xerox VersaLink C405. So I think that will do that. But if anybody out there that is watching or listening, if you know of a smaller, and I'm going to say basically a work group multifunction machine, not a full size copier, but something that, you know, sits on a desktop or cabinet, uh, the Xerox VersaLink series is that it's kind of a mid range printer, copier, scanner. And facts, I just, I don't use it for facts, uh, but it's a nice color option as well. And uh, I think does that. But if anybody else has any, uh, send them in and let me know and I'll pass on the information. Again, it needs to be able to auto size legal to letter. And I'm assuming he means both printing and copying from either the glass top or an auto feeder. I'm, I, I would say auto feeder because the documents that I know have to do with things like surveys, legal contracts, mortgage contracts, all those things uh, are usually legal size and uh, eight and a half by 14 and then go from eight and a half to 11. I don't know of any documents that are 11 by 17 anymore, but uh, that would be something to look at. So if you have that answer, uh, send it in, head over to itbusinesspodcast.com, hit the contact page and send me a message or find me on LinkedIn or the Facebook and send me an answer there. All right. So that is it for the show. If nobody has any other questions out there, I appreciate you guys hanging out with me and watching and listening. This is again, an unscripted show. Although I did pick a topic because again, it was in my head. I had to get it out. And I wanted to have something in case nobody had questions. So be on the lookout. Again, reminder for tomorrow, Thursday, July 6th, 1 p.m. Aaron Lawrence from Tech Gadget Geeks and I will be doing a live stream, giving you a preview of some summer tech. And I will probably use it as my own personal telethon because uh, coming up on July 11th and 12th is Amazon Day. So if you're going to take advantage of that, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription and you're going to take advantage of purchasing stuff there, I would encourage you to use the link on my site and do your purchases through that and give 1% back to the show. So again, Aaron Lawrence tomorrow and then next week. Diana Giles, Skyline IT Management, your 365 guru. And we're going to be chatting about 365 
Azure and the Cloud on next week's live show. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow and next week with live shows. And of course, we'll have some audio podcasts sprinkled throughout there. Head over to itbusinesspodcast.com. Click on your favorite podcatcher to get notified whenever the shows are released. Sorry for the silence, folks. I was reading something (laughs) that I cannot repeat on air. Uh, Florida man strikes again. Let's just say that. So uh, that's it, folks. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and uh, listening. We'll see you next time. And until then, holla.